Blog Talk Radio. in the village of New York City, 
uh, in Harlem and in Brooklyn and all of the boroughs of New York that have the uh, a huge population of brothers and sisters of African descent. And Dr. Leonard Jeffries, who is an educator and author and historian and, and Africanist, um, he just actually shared some thoughts that I had to just share with the church um, this past Friday, and that was the fact that in our ancient and African tradition of communalism and cooperation and collectivity, we usually open up any major ceremony or major event with libations. And by pouring libations, we recognize all who have gone before and on whose shoulders today we stand upon and who are obligated, we are obligated to them for various reasons. So with one person pouring water and the substance of life, which it represents onto the ground or onto a plant, we all participate by responding in the African tongue. And thusly, by saying, so be it, after each uh, recite of uh, the ritual of libation, either by saying, so be it, or it is done, we also can say it in the African tongue to reclaim and reconstruct our person and our peoplehood, our goddess and God-given humanity, which is far more important and superior to the accident of our citizenry or our place of birth. And it can be said in the language of the Yoruba, such as the saying of Ashe, or in the Akan, which is Ya'ol, or into Metaneter, which is Hotep, or Hetepu, or in the Zulu, which is Yebo, or any African language of which you may have knowledge, including the word Amen, or Amen. And that is also an ancient African comedic Egyptian word commonly used. And its African origin is basically widely unrecognized. Amen, or Amen, or Arman, is Egyptian. And it is a solar deity. And Amon, he personified the sun after it had descended below the western horizon and thus hidden from sight. And as a result of the ritual of libation, there is a call and response which is prevalent throughout the African tradition. And we also have brought this to the present uh, mode of doing this within our church uh, ceremonies as well as when we have a basic conversation. This happens all the time. So Brother uh, Jeffries, he states that in the name of the great Africans, as we go through a sampling of libation. In the name of the great Africans who began the march of mankind in the womb of Mother Africa's Great Lakes region, East Africa, we ask these Africans to be with us, to strengthen us, and give us a vision for the future. And we respond by saying, Ashe. And then, in the name of the great Africans who begin the march of humankind and march down the Nile River, 4,000 miles of Nile River Valley, establishing their culture, their high culture, and their civilizations, building their temples, their tombs, and their pyramids to their goddesses, God, concepts, 
we ask these great Africans to be with us, to strengthen us, and to give us a vision for the future. Ashe. In the name of the great Africans who open up their culture of the Nile River to other peoples and spread it around Africa and help Africans in other parts of Africa build the stone cities of Zimbabwe, the great empires of the Sudan, Ghana, Mali, and Songhai, to build the great city-states of the Yoruba, the Bakongos, the Dogen, the Ashante, and the Zulu, the Africans who open up Africa to other peoples from other parts, the ancient Hebrews coming into Africa from other parts and synthesizing Africanness and produced Judaism, early Christians coming from into Africa also synthesizing Africanness and producing the first Christian nations within Egypt and Ethiopia, the early Greeks who came into Africa to study at the feet of the Africans, going back to Greece, producing their schools of knowledge, and then later the Prophet Muhammad's people, praise be upon them, the Arabs coming into the Africa and synthesizing the knowledge, producing Islam. We ask that these great Africans who open up their hearts and minds and spirits to others and help produce Judaism, Christianity, Islam, and the Greek civilization and culture, we ask these Africans to be with us today to strengthen us and give us vision and for the future. Ashe. In the name of the great Africans who pulled out of Africa, but who kept the spirit of greatness in their hearts, and this love of God is God in their being, and who fought for liberty and justice as they were put into ships of enslavement, as they were brought across the ocean in the Middle Passage, were brought to these shores of South America, the Caribbean, and North America, and who left a legacy of struggle and freedom the likes of no other people to resist enslavement. They went into the highlands of the Palmares in Brazil and created one of the first free republic of the Americas in the 1600s and into the backwoods of the Serenum and produced the Akan cultures and civilizations of the Seremka to resist bondage. They went into the highlands and the mountains of Jamaica and other islands of the Caribbean and produced the Maroon communities into the swamps and backwoods of Florida and Georgia and linked up with the Seminole Indians and produced the struggles for freedom of the African peoples in North America. We ask these great Africans to be with us in the tradition of Harriet Tubman Sojourner Truth, Nat Turner, Marcus Garvey, Gabriel Proser, and Demarc Vesey, and El Haz Malik El Shabazz, and Martin Luther King, we ask that these Africans to be with us, strengthen us, and give us a vision of the future. And we respond by saying, Ashe. In the name of our immediate African forebearers, Africans who renewed our contribution to science, who helped develop the light bulb, and telephone, electricity, agriculture science, and medicine, the traditions of opening up of the United States, ideals to the realities of all of its peoples, we ask these great Africans to also be with us and give us a vision of the future. We ask this in the name of the African future, and we respond by saying, Ashe. As you will note, and I thank all of you for visiting us on the chat room, and of course those of you who are tuning in on the phone, if you would like to share your thoughts and comments with us, please feel free. 
It would be a pleasure. I would also like to invite you to visit my website at Drums of Change. Uh, I happen to have had the pleasure of going to Washington, D.C. on the day of President Obama's inauguration. And just vicariously, the bus dropped us not too far from the Washington Monument. And we did an impromptu drum circle uh, at that uh, location. And again, I must say my drums, uh, my website is drumsofchange.com. Again, I repeat, drumsofchange.com. And at that site, you will be able to observe a video, which is on YouTube, of me playing the African djembe drum, um, coming from the bus, going to the grounds in which uh, President Obama was inaugurated, and uh, by the instructions of the ancestors, there's an impromptu drum circle that was created. And I didn't go there primarily to celebrate Obama's inauguration, but to honor our ancestors there, whose blood, sweat, and tears were used uh, through the title of being slaves to build those grounds of the White House and of all of Washington, D.C., as it were. And, uh, of course, they were able to, I guess, appreciate the fact that the drum was there in such an auspicious, auspicious occasion for the first president of African descent to be inaugurated. So I, I, I'm still steadfast in my mission and my purpose to promote the drum and to be called upon. I'm always ready to be called upon to perform this special uh, ritual of libation. And I just want to share with all of you who are listening and those of you who tune in on the, on the archives to spread this knowledge, to spread the word that we need to go back, Sankofa, we need to go back to those uh, aspects of our rich culture and rituals that were steadfast in keeping us grounded, keeping us in a state of higher self-consciousness and awareness so that we respect our elders, so that we respect our ancestors, so that we respect our, our, our wives, respect our husbands and our children with love, unconditional love in the name of the Most High in whatever name we give that, pers that, that personage, that deity. It's been stated that, indeed, um, we have a phenomenon within our communities here in, in the Americas, especially in Northern America, such as the big cities like New York City. There is a lot of violence that happens in our community, and it just seems to be like it's almost embedded in our DNA, as uh, this sister states, uh, sister by the name of, let me find her name. Her name is Akhuf Nuta Kaf Subban Padna Bia. And she states that the, there's a, a question whether or not heaven has a place for thugs. And she used that as, a, as, a, as an analogy of the fact that, indeed, why libation and young warriors don't mix. And she states that since as long as anyone can remember, young brothers have been pouring out liquor on the street corner of their fallen friends and young men that have died from gang violence and disease and police violence and drug wars. And she states this place, which is called Thug Heaven. This act of libation was spawned, or should I say, she says that it has spawned a popular aspect of hip-hop. And in the hip-hop community where young people now 
pay homage to fallen street soldiers, which inevitably push the question, is there a heaven for a G? And what they mean by a G, is there a heaven for a gangster? And a question that young warriors have already answered with some common notions as only God can judge me, and also there's a thug paradise. Well, the short answer is yes. Uh, Africans and Native Americans believe everyone makes it to heaven. And, of course, there's a school of thought that states that there's heaven and hell here on this earth. One can experience both of those experiences. However, there is a life after, and I come from the premise and the uh, incorporation of the belief that and understanding that, uh, that the soul can never be destroyed, that we come back to this earth plane time and time again until we learn our lessons and then we go off into heavenly abodes. So there's something to say about that. And she also states that with the exception of disturbed souls whose death was so violent and traumatic that they have to be ushered into the afterworld through a special means, and that many middle passage Civil War soldiers, Vietnam vets, lynching victims, etc., etc., fall into this category. And there is a heaven for thugs, but it isn't very pretty, she states. That's interesting. She states that heaven is simply the afterworld, and it is good or bad based upon how you live in this today's life, in your present life. Indigenous people say rapists go to live with other rapists in the afterworld. Killers, egomaniacs, bigots, etc. They go to a place to reside with people like themselves, so they will be surrounded, at least initially, with all the misery that they experience in life here on earth. And when we tell the family of these dead children that their children are finally at rest, they are most likely deceiving them. Many relieve their days on life so they can, or should I say they relive their days on life so they can fully understand the evil that they caused others. Their souls do not rest. They are tormented and troubled, especially if they are among those who didn't make it to heaven, but instead are waiting for spiritual work to be done on their behalf. And I see that my brother Paul Turner um, states that most of the rhetoric can be heard in the music of Tupac Shakur. That's interesting. I must research that, my brother. Uh, indeed, there is something to say about the fact that our fallen warriors, those who, who stood for the good of our community, who stood for the well-being of our community, through the spoken word, through our music, which is one of the highest forms of art form, had messages to tell us. And, of course, a lot of times when this happens, they are taken away from us because the powers that be do not want that energy and that knowledge to be spread amongst the masses. But they can't hold it back because it's in our DNA. So uh, I, I really like the, the fact that, indeed, you know, we have the technology that we have today so that, indeed, most of the knowledge that is shared no matter how briefly that it may be, can be you know, recorded, can be uh, uh, shared throughout the world instantaneously almost. So, uh, yes, this is a dialogue. This is a, a, uh, a conversation that has to be had uh, ongoing. 
And uh, indeed, uh, my wife was just sharing with, with us that uh, the blessings to Brother Tupac uh, was very brilliant. He was a very brilliant soul, and many overlooked that aspect of his being and were not able to see beyond their uh, limited perception of him. So uh, that's something to be said. We, we tend to sleep on those messengers uh, that are able to have the blessings of be able to convey this knowledge uh, through us, uh, to us rather. The uh, the notion that that the sister has, she says she calls um, these people that die but do not become ancestors, dark deceased in some country, in some cultures they're called that by the indigenous people. They're dark deceased souls. They are not honored nor believed to have lived long enough to understand and achieve their divine destiny. And that remains to be debated, of course. Um, and what they do in heaven is the same as what righteous people do. And yes, my brother Paul, yes, indeed, I agree with you uh, that we need to just do research on this and have a discussion about this, especially with those who have spent their lives observing and studying this phenomenon. What they do in heaven is the same as what righteous people do. They recount their time on earth, hear what lessons they feel to learn or fail to learn, and begin to process that for reincarnation. Some are so terrible that they, they are not giving opportunities to return as long as that evil is felt on earth. If Hitler was human, and she says, I have reason to doubt that he was, you can be sure that he is, probably hasn't reincarnated yet. It wouldn't be logical to let such a person cross over into life again when millions of spirits, millions of souls that haven't caused as much suffering as he did are waiting to reincarnate as well. So please know these references to numbers are for human understanding and aren't to be taken too literally. The point is that many ancestors in what we call yet to be born are waiting to experience divine creation. So the question she poses, should I pour out a little liquor? Going back to the notion of the gangster who pours libations for his, his uh, fellow warrior, street warrior. She states that it's important to realize that the pouring of liquor or libation is a right reserved exclusively for those that live good moral lives. When we pour libation to a person, we are honoring and evoking their character behavior, and beliefs. We are asking them to bring us more of what they gave us on earth. And when we pour liquor to fallen street soldiers, we are evoking the sale of drugs, the use of firearms, the objectification of women, the fear they breed amongst our elderly, the vice grip they hold on our blocks and our streets and neighborhoods that we live in. We are asking them to bring more of that into our lives to help us continue to fight gang wars, to help to continue to be able to do whatever it takes to get fly clothes and rims and street cribs where we hide secret girlfriends. We're invoking their desire for money, their desire for revenge, their desire for power and respect. We're welcoming more crime, more death, and more materialism into our lives. When we pour like liquor to a dead gang member, we are praying for more gang members. When we pour liquor to a dead pimp, we are praying for more pimps to be born and molded 
and in doing so, the cycle continues. There is a spiritual consequence for performing the right of liberation on the wrong people. So the rules, we do not pour a libation for people who died in violence that was not community endorsed, just war, and in most cultures they don't get public funerals either. We do not pour libation for criminals. In most cultures, they don't get public funerals either. We do not pour libation for deceased children, even though they were good people. What could a child's spirit offer us in the way of giving us lessons and wisdom? I don't happen to agree with this, but I'm just repeating some sentiments that are shared by others so that we can have a healthy dialogue. And also, some cultures differ here at least to restrict their communication with child spirits for some various reasons. And we do not pour libation for people who died of ailments out of norm of their age or that betray a bad lifestyle. And in most cultures, they don't get public funerals either. We don't pour libation for people that commit suicide, no exceptions. And this is always the one that someone and everyone feels they ought to do away with anyway and end up getting hurt even worse. She states that we only pour libation for elders that were moral and responsible. So healing the thugs, this is her proposal. If you have a loved one that didn't die as an ancestor, you can pray for their spiritual elevation in your prayers to God, not the ancestors. Pray that they learn the lessons of their lives well and that they make it safely to the afterworld. If they aren't there already, light a candle every once in a while for them. If you feel the presence of a relative or a friend that died violently, was a criminal, a sexual predator, a poor parent, or had any other bad characteristics that made them unpleasant to most, you must demand that they leave and find divine spirit. It is not your job to help them to do that because as vagrant spirits, they are more dangerous than they were alive and they can become very des- desperate and violent in their confusion. And only a professional spiritual spiritualist should call and work directly with one of these spirits. And again, you can light a candle for them to move forward for spiritual realization. This acts as a spiritual trigger, as a metaphor, that is. Anything more you may use may be harmful. So we must learn this sacred ritual of libation and to hold this dear to us. I was encouraged by being called by the elder at Bethel Tabernacle AME Church because libation was was uh, practiced. I I did the re, uh, I recited libation, the ritual, in the Igong tradition, or the Ngung tradition, and candles were more than a hundred candles were lit by the various members of the church, not only from that immediate church, but there were church members from sister churches and brother churches from around the region, even as far as New Rochelle, who came to this particular ceremony. So it was quite an experience, and uh, unfortunately we're coming close to the end of our, uh, our segment, but I would be remiss if I did not indeed uh, say that I am encouraged and, and I feel blessed and humbled to be able to share this knowledge with you. And the following show next Sunday, we will continue with this particular uh, topic of discussion. And, of course, those of you in the chat room, I thank you so much for visiting us. And of those of you who are listening on, on the phone, if you would have any questions that you would like to share, 
Uh, before the show ends, please feel free. Just push the number one button, and we can uh, we can talk about whatever thoughts you may want to share with us. So, again, thank you for joining us, and I'm going to take a brief break, and then we will be ending the show for a moment. Again, as we begin, I end by paying homage to the Most High. We pay homage to our ancestors. We pay homage and, and send love to all of our relatives, including my dear mother-in-law, my dear wife, my dear sister, and brothers. Especially my sister who is ill, I send her healing energy. I thank you all for tuning in. I send prayers and, and loving energy to those of you who have listened, who will be listening in the archives. And please share the show with those in your midst, in your, in your family and group of friends, to tune in when they have a moment. Again, this is Baba Jehudi Wesley Gray, and I look forward to you visiting us again next week. Peace and love.